Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gill, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! The Sneaker History Podcast. (laughs) I'm like a deer every like 30 paces. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. As you can see, already off to a fantastic start tonight. Uh, I got my guys, Rowett, Robbie, and Mike. How you guys doing? Man, doing good. Just... Just out here chilling. How y'all doing? I'm good. I'm great. Just starting impromptu USA chants wherever I go because of the day today. So (laughs) just wherever you are, seriously, do it. I put on Miracle and I just fired up a bag of popcorn. But no, I I would like to thank my sponsor today, UConn. You know, I denied their I denied their offer to hoop there. Um, They just happened to still send me some gear. But um, I had hoop dreams once, and I was like, "UConn, you know, I got a family to raise someday." Not, but um, I'm good. How are you, Nick? But I, I'm good. But on that note, if you are new to the podcast and you haven't listened to the Trip Doherty interview that Robbie did with Trip Doherty, what is his? He's a I can't remember his title. Sorry, Trip. Badass at UConn, but essentially. It's some crazy insight into the process of how all of that works to, to for players to get PEs at a major, you know, college like that. So, really great episode, probably like about four months ago. But I'll link to it in the description wherever you're checking this out. But yeah, I'm good, man. I I feel like, you know, this is a terrible analogy, but you know, when you just feel like, you know, a a load is lifted and uh, or dropped. Or dropped, yeah, uh, yeah. That's basically how I feel right now. So you feel relieved, um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, anyway, what are you guys? Uh, what are you guys rocking and copping this week? Yeah, man. So I brought out something a little older. I, I need to go to the grocery store if I want to be comfortable. Nice sock dart from what was that 2016? Nice. These things still hold up very nice. well. Just don't make any lateral movements, or you will fall off the sole of the shoe. But other than that. Solid, solid wear. Uh, what I'm looking to cop right now is either going to be that LeBron 8, the uh, the China exclusive. Saw it for a good price. And then also that I'm really intrigued by the, the New Balance 550. I, I also found the, the GR release that, or I guess it might have been a quick strike, whatever. But the white and red and then the white and blue color that dropped after the LDs. Um, kind of interesting in those as well. So we'll, we'll see. I got a... I got to pop in. Kevin Concepts does some cool sock dart stuff. Really? So if, yeah. if you like the sock dart and you're a fan, you want something different, check out his page. 
does some did some cool stuff a couple months ago with finish line but yeah kevin concepts cool stuff yeah good suggestion how about you Rowett? uh what did i rock today because we are all in a very light mood Kyrie usa once um nice it kind of goes with the theme and what i'm <laughs> copying i i'll go off the beaten path i i know that the ray gun uh footwear has been pretty fire but I actually like the Raygun jersey. My only mm. nitpick on that is instead of Carter 15, it should say Dr. Funk 15 because I think that was uh, Vince Carter's character's name in the actual spot. Mm-hmm. But that's just what me. How's the that's A plus knowledge? Though. Yeah, I mean, it's that's just... solid. How, how, it's, how yeah. are the, the Australian Opera House themed heel units that your Kyrie One's doing? Ooh, look people, at this guy. They, they scratch off. Like mine. Got all scratched, yeah. No, they're not they're too like... badly worn, but I know that when I got my brother the Australian colorway because he was going to med school in Australia at the time, he said that did more for his on-the-street credibility than anything else, including his American accent. So nice. I don't know if he had that issue, but I'm sure he probably taped them on because, you know, if you're about that koala life, you're about that koala life. So. <laughs> Oh man! Not for sure. But All right, cool. so what do you, what do you, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in. I just wore basically beater Reebok questions. I forget what this was. Canvas pack from a few years I back. I remember those. Uh, there's not a date in there, but I think it was like 2015 or something like that. And copying, I picked up this Lakai Carol Thrasher magazine. So Thrasher magazine only has one physical location. And that is 66 6th Street in San Francisco. So they got the bridge, got the, the the fire new logo for the for the shop and whatnot. And Vibram Soul. Ooh. Vibram Soul, whatever you call it. But yeah. I had I haven't bought a skate shoe in a long time, so I was pretty excited to get to get those. Um But just to further my addictive personality and reaffirm my commitment to buying things I don't need, I really want to get those uh Nike Air Raid uh Ray guns. Gun. Uh the Ray, Ray guns. Gun. Yeah, thanks. Yep. That colorway is awesome. Obviously obviously if most people probably look at that shoe and are like, Yeah, Nick should probably wear this. <laughs> Man. You're not wrong though, because like the Ray Gun stuff and then the peace love and basketball inspired stuff, like they hit you with two yeah. at horrible times. I don't have want to buy either one of them financially. But like two yeah. great little collections, and you're like, ah, oh, I like them all, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Victory lot. I'd still like to get the Air Max ones out of that too. Yeah, right, yeah, that was a good one. How about you, Robbie? I almost bought the Air More Up Tempo, like the the Peace Love, but then I got the black pairs. Like I, I, there's no, there's no damn reason to buy two pairs of Up Tempos when I'm not even going outside in one week. So I, was like, I had to chill on that, but um. What a coppin, copted, coppin din din. Yeah. However you want to phrase it. Um, the shoe palace, uh, Kobe question alternative pack. Fanciness. It has a really cool like promo use only kind of like Kobe would have gotten when he received these from Reebok when he wore them. Um, the dates in here are twelve eight two thousand two. Super clean man like. Between these and the Grinches, I could like complain about not getting so many shoes throughout the year, but like 
with those quite happy. Um, I know I'm going to cop, and I'm going to call upon anybody who has two ears and two thumbs, the All-Star 6. Like, that's definitely going to make me cry a moment when I see it on an NBA TV at some point watching that game. So those shoes mean a ton of a ton to me. It's a great All-Star year. Mm-hmm. I believe it was in Dallas where they had the record for the biggest all-star attendance. It was outdoors at Cowboy Stadium. Just really cool stuff. Derrick Rose was healthy. Just like so many fun players in that all-star game that uh, it's, it's I'm for sure going to cry. So like that's that's going to be an Instacop. And then in uh, the like... same tip as you, the the Ray Guns, but I'm going to pivot over to the to the Converse side because – they had two shoes dropped there that nobody really talks about. Um, they have a pro leather mid with a super clean, almost like Jackie Moon feel to it. They have um, kind of like the the Ray Gun, like you know, jersey pattern, like wave thing on one side with the yellow chevron on black leather, and like you you kind of can't beat that. They're like eighty five bucks too, so it's like no brainer there. Good price. Uh, yeah, man. Yep. I mean, the Blazer was the best Nike in my book of the Ray Gun pack. But, like, really, all the coverage is on the Nike. But the Converse stuff was just as good and cost just about half as much. So Nice. Yeah, one final Ray Gun uh, note is I posted a picture a couple days ago of DJ Quick mm-hmm. and Ashanti. And he's wearing, like, the original Ray Gun's jersey, which, like... When I came across that picture, I was like, save for DJ Quick's birthday. This is fire. No sneakers in it, but that jersey I would totally save love it. to have. Nice. Now, I was going to say, I think the first time I saw that in a music video, Fabulous had it. And Fabulous is essentially yeah. the Smithsonian when it comes to their jersey nest throwback. So, so true. Good on F-A-B-O-L-O-U-S for kind of keeping that legacy. And I think he's going to be one of those guys when he's 80, he's probably going to have like a dope uh, Ricky Davis Cleveland Cavaliers throwback. And we're all going to be like, that's so fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) He has throwbacks that we don't even know he existed. He's got throwbacks of players that haven't even been born yet. I think that's how deep his catalog is. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, uh, uh, Rowan, are you, are you prepared to read a, a review for us this week? I am. Pop got a new one, a I very think. beautiful, beautifully written one by Milwaukee Bucks that I thought hit hit the hearts and minds. So I'll go ahead and get started. Caption is thoughtful sneaker discussion beyond the usual topics. The review starts: If your name isn't Portland Trailblazers and you're looking for a sneaker podcast that goes beyond the typical listicles you'll find exhaustively discussed on every other sneaker-related show, then you've found the right place. Rowe's ability to analyze and masterfully communicate his thoughtful takes on seemingly any topic, Robbie's humorous, curated, hype-beast tendencies backed up by extensive retail experience, Mike's ability to dig deeper into product offerings and unintentionally compel you to be more unique in your purchasing decisions, to Nick's intelligent, introspective takes developed through years of experience, both inside and outside the sneaker industry, you'll be hard-pressed to find a more well-rounded sneakers podcast. If you're looking for a community that harkens back to the times of the early 2000s Nike talk, or you're currently frustrated with mass market commodified sneaker culture has become in the Instagram age, I highly recommend joining the Patreon and gaining access to the Discord. You'll find a genuine community of unpretentious users who span the gamut of sneaker interests and will more than likely remind you of why you became interested in sneakers in the first place. Thank you, Milwaukee Bucks. I can't really add anything to that. Milwaukee fucks. (laughs) 
That was good. That was fantastic. Yeah, Holy I, crap. I feel like I feel like I might need to bust out like the Glenn Robinson jersey in the Reebok, you know, tomorrow or something <laughs> in honor of that beautiful review. I'm doing Man. the big ball dance a la Sam Cassell everywhere I go tomorrow because <laughs> <laughs> Man, I need to go buy like a Bucks jersey yeah, now. Was... Hold up, I feel like it's just necessary at this point. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was awesome. Thank you. Uh, definitely appreciate the reviews. If you haven't checked out the Patreon sneaker history or Patreon.com/sneakerhistory, find out more about it and join our Discord through there. Um, honestly, like the Discord, you know, I I feel like we gas it up every episode, but the small little community that we have there is just what keeps this all going for me. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's just so good to kind of like, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks summed it up nicely, right? You're just basically, it, it feels like you're getting what is completely missing from the kind of manufactured sneaker culture that's out there right now. But um, I wanted to just throw in another curveball here since, Uh-oh. you know, we, we debated the M&Ms for multiple episodes last year. And uh, I know Rowett's got a little addition to that. <laughs> I, I, I don't you, know. What was, what was that one again? <laughs> Those are the, uh, the the sugar cookie white chocolate uh, M&Ms. Shout outs to Dylon. So I actually just tried the, or not just, but recently I've been getting the brownie M&Ms, which is a solid choice. Definitely I'm not a, I'm not as like hardcore peanut M&M fan as the rest of our, you know, users and listeners at a discord group. But like this is kind of my alternative that was like right on the spot because I, I prefer that like richer chocolate taste. Mm. But enough about m and <laughs> I'm 2021. I'm moving into a new candy debate. So for those of you that aren't watching on on YouTube I'll, I'll I'll read these, but I've got cinnamon candy. I'm a big fan slash addict. Honestly, if I say that I like anything on this episode or on this podcast in general, it's a safe bet that you can just assume that I'm addicted to it. Uh, it's basically how I do anything. Like I'm like, oh, one Hot Wheels? Of course I need 300. They're only a dollar each. But that said, cinnamon candy. I need your guys' opinion. I've got... The Jolly Ranchers, these are cinnamon fire candies. Nah. Okay, I see some thumbs down out there. I've got my personal favorite, hot tamales. Wow, got a thumbs down from Robbie on that Robbie one too. doesn't like anything. Right. <laughs> and I would say that this is uh, not a personal favorite, but as you can see, half the carton is gone, and I just got it this week. So, cinnamon bears. They filled uh, it wrong, but still too far <laughs> They filled it wrong. <laughs> so personally i think i go towards hot tamales as my as my favorite but honestly cinnamon candy to me is probably up there with sour patch kids towards the top of the list of all candies so guys what are your favorites and if you're listening and you haven't <laughs> left us a review drop it on itunes L- let us hear i i want to see like multiple paragraphs love and appreciation for some sort of cinnamon candy. It's going to be funny because there's going to be like three people leave reviews and it's all going to be like cinnamon sucks, one star. That's what's going to happen. Thanks for the review. <laughs> I'm waiting for that one. Dude, you got super hot tamales is where it's at, by the way. You got, you got to get the extra, extra true, spicy. True, true. Uh, yeah, yeah, true. There's super saiyan version of hot tamales, Mike. Yes, sir. Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. 
worth. So they're all disgusting. Say, I mean, like, <laughs> so every person out there who likes that meme of like toothpaste with chocolate chips in it, saying like, "Oh, I feel like mint chocolate chips," is what it's like. <laughs> Cinnamon candy to me is like mouthwash. It's like it's 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 a cleansing pre-sleep type thing where you, you swish it and then you spit it out. Like, why do I want to sit there just chewing on, yeah, cinnamon bark? It's, it's just no go. Sour candy. This is, this so, is literally a, a cinnamon fire hot take, too. It's <laughs> if you If you offer me, if you, if you have a handful of them offering extended, I'm going to slap them out of your hand. <laughs> I'm just going to slap them out. No. It's on the floor is where it belongs. I will say I Tell can't. Tell me I'm Tell me I'm wrong. I can't do cinnamon Jolly Ranchers though because that's one of the candies as you're when you're a kid trick or treating. You thought it was like a cherry Jolly Rancher. You put it in your mouth you're like, yes. wasn't ready for that. <laughs> what was that? So that's because you don't read. I mean, now now I read my Jolly Ranchers yeah. and know, hey, this ain't it. So I still don't read. No, Mike, you speak a true like issue amongst grade school early 2000s, mm-hmm. late 90s kids, because, hey, I just kicked ass in the spelling test. I got 100%. That means I can go to Miss Baker's desk and get any Jolly Rancher of my choice. Ooh, look, a red. Cherry's my favorite. Look at this. I should not have to spell and read because I already got the 100%. Just give it to me. Or put it in different packaging. Like, it would drive me up the wall. And I'm with Robbie, not a fan of cinnamon, but hey, you guys do you. But wow. big red, big trash. <laughs> I feel like okay, that gum is ass. trash. I won't lie to you. Man, leper. Gum is awful. But no, dude, I've been exposed <laughs> to hot tamales all my life, so I love them. So I, I, I got to give you that one of anything else. Yeah, it's, uh, hot tamales is definitely one of my favorites. I will agree with you guys. The, the misleading red candy, cinnamon versus strawberry, cherry, any other red flavor, right? Mm-hmm. I if if you're from Northern California pre-pandemic, uh, also like I, I like the idea of uh, like now using in all of our pictures maybe like a BP so it's like you know 2018 BP like before pandemic just to <laughs> signify that we you know but if you're from Northern California uh, the Jelly Belly Factory is a must. It's it's some place that most people from around the Bay Area, Sacramento, have been to, and I will say that it's one of my favorite like experiences of all time because you know who doesn't want to get free Jelly Bellies on tour? There are parts of it that they're like you know giving you the puke flavored ones oh. and whatever, and that's gross as shit. But you know, the worst part and best part about the Jelly Belly Factory and the tours is that you can buy massive amounts of what they call belly flops, which are. Oh. Basically, the, the ones that didn't make the cut, <laughs> the B-grade Jelly Bellies. And uh, I can just say that I've had many other colors that are actually cinnamon, which when you're expecting a buttered popcorn Jelly oh, Belly no. and you get a cinnamon or a Dr. Pepper flavored and you get a cinnamon or vice versa, it's a terrible experience. So Two good flavors. I, 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 I sympathize <laughs> with you guys in the Jolly Rancher, you know disdain in that sense i was gonna say no other flavor inspires that much trickery and shenanigans like and <laughs> i true. think this is something not clearly i feel strongly about there needs to be a universal color coding system implemented for bite-sized candies 
And <laughs> at best, you can maybe do different hues of red to signify apple versus strawberry versus cherry versus watermelon because we've all had candies where they're mm. red and they sim- represent those flavors. But then you have aberrations like blue raspberry, which is not even a real thing. Hey, but it's fantastic. I'm okay with it because it's my favorite candy. <laughs> The blue one. The blue, exactly. Oh, give me that one blue. But, hey, yo, give me that blue, I, John. The purples, I want purple stuff. <laughs> I would also say, though, the the worst, like, surprise flavor of any candy all time, it's just absolute worst, is licorice. Oh. If you get licorice in place of any other expected flavor... Yeah, like, we're all just, like, disgusted Yeah, right I hate now. black that's licorice. How, that's... <laughs> licorice is the toms of she of, of no, she's, <laughs> dude, but going back to this jelly belly factory i don't know why i just got this picture of nick i feel like you know he's in the jelly belly factory you know doing his tour he just happened to wear cargo pants this day and just taking massive handfuls <laughs> off the line and just shoving them in his pocket like no one's business for some reason <laughs> right it's nick in the jelly belly factory he's really charlie pluth in the real life and, really Wonka. and i just don't want you to lose your golden ticket because mr jelly belly caught you with <laughs> in your and grandpa joe is telling you hey we need this for the family because we got to get out of these streets but no, that's <laughs> Oh, man, that's too funny. Yeah, but anyway, long story short, if you like or hate, love or hate, cinnamon-flavored candy, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and we'd much appreciate it. Uh, Liking is but... okay, too. You, you, don't, you don't have to love it. <laughs> if you eat it on occasion, we'd like to hear from you. If if you're completely indifferent, we appreciate you. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh all right, so so we got a pretty solid topic tonight, and I'm kind of excited about this one. We're going to talk about, I guess, like materials, prints, maybe some colors that are very brand specific. And I think my initial thought of this kind of conversation was specifically about, you know, obviously as a sneaker fan, like I'm a big fan of elephant print. If you know me beyond sneakers or from years back, I wrapped half the interior and in my Integra in elephant print uh out of, made out of shirts so it, me and elephant print are like me and hot tamales so um but i think there's more there's there's a lot more to this in terms of the kind of you know the connection through a lot of the brand stories with some of their kind of key colorways right and i think that's the you know a broader topic that's a little more interesting than just focusing on maybe you know, elephant print, safari and that. But I think we'll get into that later. But I just wanted to toss it to you guys and, and kind of see if there's anything that comes to mind, you know, for for that as a as a starting point. I got to bring those Converse. What? Those Converse. <laughs> we rewind. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just do it. Just do it now and I'll drop it in. Okay, I was like, I'm going to give him a second here to see where he's going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <sighs> Collected. All right. So, I mean, with the whole topic of materials and everything, I think the colors and materials when they work together is something really cool. And, like, concepts, I think even going back, let's just take their stained glass shoe as, mm. as an earlier example. Like, cool, you can have an awesome print, but when you take it the next step and add like the plasticky 
you know, veil, not like stain the glass look to the shoe, it goes next level. So Concept is actually doing something with Converse. It's called the Southern Flame Pack, and they have a lot of that going on here. So it honors the birthday of basketball. So basketball was founded, or the, the rules at least, back in 1891 by who? James Naismith. Yes, sir. How many rules were there? Do you know how many rules? Three. Were there 11 or 12? 13. So <laughs> kind of Mike and kind of Rowan. <laughs> yes. <together. laughs> we get all of it. Our powers but, combined. Right? So 13 rules, and that was 130 years ago. <laughs> You get Captain Planet 130 years later. Uh, <laughs> but and, and it's even kind of funny you say Captain Planet because there's like colorful vibes going on with this shoe that could almost speak to Captain Planet in a way. <laughs> um, but it actually speaks back to the peach basket that he initially used as a hoop, the, f the first hoop ever. So um, Converse did a little play with the peach um, when they worked with Convert, um, when they worked with Concepts here, so you have two shoes: the Chuck Seventy and the um, the BB Pro, the Evo, right? The BB Evo, super killer shoe. But the Evo is like the peach before it's ripe. I don't know if you've ever seen a peach. Most of us just seen it like you know in the grocery store, but like back in the forest, the orchard, <laughs> wherever you keep peaches. Um, orchard orchard right um they're like this greenish yellowish kind of like not ready like apples do that too a lot of fruit it's kind of green and then they turn red and then you have the chuck 70 which has that kind of peachy color to it it kind of looks tie-dye it's super sick but what's even cooler about it is like the lining has this like fuzziness to it again speaking Ooh. to materials that's supposed to like emulate the silvery little baby hairs on a peach. So it's like colors are awesome. Materials are awesome when they're, but when they're iconic, it's even better. But like when brands do it right like this, it's just, it, it, it makes you like think, okay, I actually want both shoes. Cause like the pack tells a story, you know, you could have like one when you're hooping, you know, the Evo and then have the ripened chill out shoe for when you're done. So it all works. They drop on the 28th. You can get them at Concepts or Converse, you know, all the fun places. But just Nick brought up materials, and that got my brain thinking to colors. And Converse always does crazy things with, like, the Chuck and Chuck 70, stuff like that. And I've really become a fan of the shoe. I guess News Flash in 2021, Converse are fun to wear. I mean, Nick's known this for how long? I just found out. <laughs> but, like... You can do anything with it from a material standpoint. You can put elephant print on there, but you could literally do something where I bet you it like looks stiff, like actual concrete. It just it, it possibilities are limitless. Yeah. So seeing this kind of like southern flame, peach evolution thing got my brain spinning with the topic. So, and I di I didn't even think about it, but we kind of already like hit on this with the Reagan theme, right? Like the Reagan theme was one of Nike's kind of big hits, I would say, for quite a while. And that's kind of come back a couple of times. And, you know, like the Converse, I think there's the Converse, there's a Chuck, there's there's a Chuck and two Pro Leathers, right? Because I thought I saw a white one before. I don't know if With that was Ray this Gun? year's release or not. Oh, the Ray Gun, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a couple. But I know there's a black one. 
a black one that comes out or that just came out the one you were talking about the $85 one right mm-hmm. but yeah i'm pretty sure there was a there was a, a white and orange with the ray gun logo on the on the heel which was kind of interesting too but i didn't even think of that while i was thinking about the topic but yeah do you have a pair of chuck 70s yet nick i do not man no i i don't have a pair of chuck 70s I've never done the old school Chuck, but the 70, it, it feels like it's not the Lunar Lawn. I know they did a Lunar drop in for a while mm-hmm. and people bought those up. So it's not quite Lunar Lawn, but it is extremely, it's like just like an elevated comfort. Yeah, try so, those. I know you're a Chuck head. Yes, you do. They're, yeah. they're sick. So I think that's some, something else that, I mean, not to go too far into this Chuck Taylor conversation, but Chuck's in general, like you should definitely keep an eye on outlets because. Mm-hmm. A lot of the chucks that are made have some sort of like additional cushioning, right? Like the skate branded chucks for years had, you know, zoom insoles in them or, or mm. lunar lawn in them that are just like so much more comfortable than the regular, you know, off the shelf, $50, $60, whatever the retail price is on a regular pair of chucks now. But yeah, that's a, that's a definitely mm. a, something to keep in mind. I just think the chucks are, oh. They're just kind of universal, right? Like you, you could wear them, you could be into whatever you want and like it fits the vibe. It, it's like a conversation starter for generations, man. You could talk to grandparents or, you know, <laughs> me as a punk teenager that was like F the world and, you know, whatever. Just everybody up and down the scale can kind of like have some sort of story that's connected to a pair of Chucks somehow. So it's kind of why so I like, like Kamala Harris has her has her Chuck thing, but like these chuck 70s here like you could wear those peachy joints with like a suit and it's like have something crazy going on or you could have a pair of crazy high socks and shorts and be walking down venice beach doing whatever the hell you want to do so it's just like that's the kind of versatility that like this is not an ad but no you you really can like (laughs) wear a chuck like anywhere do you think that uh i guess thinking about this conversation being more more than just materials like you know elephant print or safari but like do you think that the crossover between nike using the ray guns theme and converse using the ray guns theme what do you guys think about that i like i don't i would never expect to see that but then i started thinking about it as you were talking i bought the ultra boost no, sorry, the Pump Fury Boost, mm-hmm. which was themed off of the OG Ultra Boost, right? That black, all black, you know, purple cap on the heel. It's kind of funny, like, I never really thought about that with, you know, the pa- companies and parent companies and the crossover, but I bet you that's happened more frequently than I'm thinking about right now. Yeah, I, I like that because it just shows that you can just kind of jump in with well, let's utilize this and this and just kind of bring them together to boost sales of both sides of the brand. Because uh, I, from what I'm understanding, Nick, I think Reebok's going to be doing it again with Adidas with the ZX Pump Fury. So a part of A to ZX pack, it's oh. just going to be looks like a ZX 8000 with the Insta Pump Fury like kind of wrapped around it. So it's pretty cool. But I, I think it's awesome. I mean, That's dope. you're giving yeah. people more of a spectrum with this Nike and Converse thing because maybe I don't want to spend – almost 200 bucks on an up-tempo, maybe $85 is kind of my, my limit. And I get to super clean, maybe the best of the pack with the Converse side and get the same great color, same great story. So I like it because it's not hurting anybody. It's not like uh, cannibalizing the sales because you're going to sell a shoe. It's going to the same bottom line regardless. I look at it like the Converse offering gives you something 
more lifestyle based. So I think the blazer, you know, that's probably the closest to like a strictly lifestyle from the Nike end. Yeah. But then, you know, the raid is a great shoe. Like, don't get me any kind of wrong, but like, that's, that's a, that's a specific taste, like a pro leather, even this example, even more specifically, like the, the Ray gun pro leather is a black shoe with a yellow com uh, with a yellow Chevron and there's detailing on the inside. So ultimately when you're walking down the street, you can see the Ray gun logo on the back heel, but it's a very clean, just white walled black leather, yellow Chevron, like What's wrong with that? It, it, you, you cannot know ray guns at all. You cannot know anything. And it's just like, damn, yeah. that's a clean looking shoe. That's a good point. Yep. But the blazer has more ray gun detailing to it. It looks a little more busy, which isn't a bad yeah. thing. Like there's definitely ray gun fans that have such a hunger, like row it where they want a second Jersey with the fictional names for these, you know, old players from the ad. So it's like, you can just take it somewhere. Like Miley Cyrus would wear, I don't know if she still does Converse stuff, but like Miley would wear the Chuck Ray gun more than the Nike, just not only because the affiliation or lack of who knows, but like it just looks more like casual, like your girlfriend's going to pick it up, your boyfriend's going to pick it up and you could just like kick it together in it. It's a good couple shoe. <laughs> All Chucks. I mean, think about it though. So like you go to the outlet, like Nick was saying, you can find a pair of Chucks for 30 bucks. You two are both walking out of there together for $60 and you get brownie points for sneakerheads. Here's how you got to think, honey, I got you these. So now you're, you're ingratiated in what I'm doing. So we have matching feet. You could take your little cute pictures of our Chucks together for your little feed. And then when I come home with another pair, just for me, like, oh, I got you next time. And then just keep reusing that. I got you next time. And then Robbie just gave away all the secrets. Robbie just gave away all the secrets. Yeah. So uh, just couple, let, her, let him or her together. in a little bit. Let <laughs> him or her a, a, a little tickle in, in, into the culture. A, a little Chuck, a little Air Max 90, you know, a little Van Slip-On, whatever it might be, you can get pretty cheap and matchy-matchy. Dang, I think I go too hard then because... Like my wife got you know space hippies questions. I mean, we went we're shooting for the moon. We're not we're not starting at well, the. You st- the, you started small, didn't you though? Back in the day, it was. It was a Presto. I think the first shoe I bought it was a Presto. See, and then it it, it evolved into now space it's just, hippies. Just nonsense now. It's just like. And she buys you shoes too. Oh, 100 percent. She knows what to get you. She knows so what's up. You've taught her. <laughs> she knows the game. So it comes back to help you even more later. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just going to say a couple that uh, buy sneakers together stays together, and it goes to the whole Jerry Maguire theme of help me help you. So, help me help you. <laughs> if you want to be a part of my culture, let me show you my culture. And I have a buddy that I remember anytime a three or a four would come out, he would inevitably try to get one of his friends that wasn't into that shoe to be like, hey, can I use you? Because as Nike employees at the time, you could have a one pair limit to the employee store. So you'd always be like, I'm going to get my girl every single pair of OG threes and every pair of OG fours. And that was their couple, his or hers thing. And to your point, matchy matchy, the feeds were coordinated and everything looked good. Now to answer Nick's original question of how do we feel about, I guess, IP sharing between brands? I think it's great. I think a Converse is a shoe that makes itself very malleable to whatever it is that it's trying to reflect. So it's not just the Ray guns. I mean, let's say five to 10 years down the line, Nike decides, 
hey, remember the fun police? Let's do a whole catalog on that. Because in a way, the fun police was the precursor to the ray guns where it, it was used to showcase a whole variety of stars. And then you kind of pick and choose to Mike's point as well of, okay, if you're giving me five options, buffet style, yeah, let me get the one that I feel most resonates with what I want to encapsulate with this particular sneaker. So if I'm somebody that really enjoyed that Ray Guns collection, I want all five of them. But if I was, let's say, a big Vince Carter fan, just give me the Dr. Funk apparel jersey as well as whatever sneaker he was wearing in those commercials. Mm -hmm. And basically... It's something that can be applied to a lot of different things. And it's funny as well, because just last week we were having that discussion of, okay, are dunks now SB exclusive or are there almost three separate dunks? Because you've got the ID, you've got the Nike Bayou, you've got the sportswear. And I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested to see what people do with that, because it is one of those things where I love it when you get your chocolate and my peanut butter and my peanuts, peanut butters in your chocolate, because it allows us to kind of see the best of what the sneaker industry has to offer because we don't know what we want half the time until we see it. And we're like, Holy crap, who thought of this? This is fantastic. And the best way I can show my loyalty is like copying four or five pair. So man, don't talk dirty to me like that, but I just had a million dollar idea. <laughs> and Nick, I think you would love this. What if you like cross shared converse Nike IP to where I know he's not a hot, a hot as in uh, popular topic or, positive topic but a rodman pack right you have like the destruct oh, yeah. and then like the converse joints yeah i just call them the sun joints I, I forgot what they're called but like you could do you could do levels to that you could flip flop colorways yep. you could just release them like nike did the the shooting stars like every penny thing let's be honest so it's yeah, like yeah. anything to do with penny you could do that with rodman and that'd be wild like in a parallel universe, there's a Converse Nike Rodman pack dropping, and it's two twenty five. Yeah, it's like the Jordan, like the, the two, and uh, then the the pro leather low, or whatever it was. Anytime. They Nike, came out. Nike's mastered that. We're, yeah. we're going to talk colors, but like Nike just mastered selling you two pairs of shoes at once. Like they they got stuff like that down. So it's like, give oh, me the sure. Converse I mean, Nike collab, all akin to Reebok. Swindle me, please. Adidas. Let me give you all my dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically, right? I mean, think about it. Like, for sure, I would buy that Rodman pack. So, like, the one with the, the sun on it was the, the Rodman All-Star. Hmm. But, like, you put that in with any of the Nike basketball shoes he wore, and I, and I would buy that retro pack. But I also think, like, you know, huge miss, I guess, on the other side with Adidas and Reebok if you were to package the ZX 8000 in that aqua colorway, the blue with the yellowish, you know, um, with a Instapunk Fury, you know, that to me is an, another story that you've already connected these. You're trying to connect these shoes. As Mike said, they're going to try to, you know, have this like colorway that represents and they've done it with the boost and like the ultra boost and the Fury. Why not package them together and see if people are, are you know, willing to go and just buy two pairs. But I guess, like, too, like, I think about, like, to me, it also, you know, as we started talking about this, it also started with this, you know, it, it was all Nike originally, right? Like, elephant print specifically, right, is a, you know, we view it as a Jordan thing now. It's an But it was a Nike thing, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was on the Jordan 3, it was mm -hmm. on the Air Force STS, it was on a, a handful of other shoes back in the day. But what's interesting, I think, is, you know, as we've moved forward and all this has become like kind of, you know, super mainstream and stuff, 
do you guys think that like specifically thinking of like, I guess, elephant print, right? Do you think the consumer associates that with Jordan and Nike or just Jordan or how do you think like the general consumer is? Cause obviously sneakerheads are like, it's the same way we look at a dub zero and think that's not a Jordan. Right. Oh. But like the average consumer that, you know, you guys have more retail in-store experience than I do. Like, do you think that the elephant print is just like, we just call that a Jordan shoe no matter uh, what? Full stop. I know everybody else here and listening sees elephant print and thinks the Shaq shoe. <laughs> I was actually gonna bring, I was gonna bring that up. Elephant oh. print K uh, Kmart shoe. I was gonna Jack shoe. Fubus. The Fubus also. Yeah, had that too. Yeah. I think El I see biased. elephant print, and I think of every bootleg elephant print. I don't even think the original. I just think of how many times I've seen bootleg <laughs> LA gear, Jordache. Oh yeah, we can everybody, go all the way back. Everybody wanted a piece of it. Shout out to. Hey, Shasta. and I have, I have, I have no shame in saying that. That you know, ten-year-old me would have happily taken elephant print Jordache or British Knights yeah. or any of those brands just to have something that looked closer to a Jordan than you know all those There's other nothing wrong with it. type yeah. shoes I wore. Shaq's yeah. trying Can to make a Jordache without man. Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes Shaq's sense. Shaq's trying to do it for the kids, man. He, he, he can rip off that look, but hey, Shaq's not trying to to rip kids off. And I'm not saying any other that is brand a good point, is. Though. I'm not saying any brand is. It's a business. It's not a charity. But Shaq, the way he runs it, chooses it to be an affordable option. But I'll get off this random tangent I I jammed myself into. But just elephant print <laughs> will forever be every bootleg elephant print in my book. So, yeah, I guess I never really like attached it to a particular shoe. Honestly, I mean, I knew it. It's the hey, you know, Jordan threes elephant print, cool. But I never really. Um, I've never really had anybody when I worked in Champ say, because I worked there when the, the Black Cement 3s came out. Everyone said, ooh, I want the Black and Red 3s. No one ever came to me. It's like, ooh, you get the Elephant Print 3s? Even when the Black Flip 3s came out, all Elephant Print, all you get the all Black 3s. Like, I didn't know of anybody, a general customer, who wasn't like maybe a sneakerhead. They just like they just like shoes and just like the particular one. Always still went by the color, never the material, at least when it came to Elephant Print. I think it's also a bit of that revisionist history, right? So whoever's the biggest, baddest gets to dictate the terms and narratives around a particular colorway. Hello, bread mm -hmm. is always going to be synonymous with Jordan. It's not necessarily fair. There are shoes that have been black and red before, and there'll surely be shoes after. But mm -hmm. to Robbie's point, and I think Nick's point as well, is like we're always going to subconsciously have that in the back of our minds saying, oh, yeah, that's a Jordan concept that everybody else popularized. And it's also one of those things where it's going to be interesting 10, 15 years down the line how South Beach is kind of viewed because it's not necessarily mm. something that was prevalent up until they decided, hey, LeBron 8, South Beach, this is a thing. And then we saw so many cop copycat versions of that. And I'm going to be interested to see how that resonates as well. The Flip threes are the single most slept on threes, white and black. Yeah, I, I the sold the black pair, and I think about it once a year. I'm like, damn, I wish I still had that pair. Dude, we had I so much of those in stock. Should have bought three oh. pairs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I traded them for LeBron well, nine cannons. That's I would have done, done that. I would have Back in the day. That's like, yeah, I think both those shoes are are highly Amazing. desirable. I, I would be happy with either pair on the shelf right now. You got that good but, yellow heel tab on the white ones. I'm, I'll stop talking. I'm sorry. But just like. Yeah. Reminiscing. <laughs> good. Yeah. So I guess like in that, you know, it's the reason why I asked that is because I start to think of like, okay, like, you know, 
in my mind and, and, you know, people that are listening, obviously chime in, leave a comment or, you know, hit us up and tell us what we're missing on this conversation. But I also think of Safari, right? Like mm -hmm. the, the Nike Safari, Air Safari was, you know, an 87 release. So technically it, it was a publicly released kind of theme before we saw elephant print mm -hmm. and it didn't necessarily hit as hard with the mainstream public. And you know, it doesn't like to row its point. It doesn't have that, you know, that kind of revisionist history that the elephant print does, right? Like elephant print now is, is the material, the, the colorway that saved Michael from leaving Nike, right? Mm -hmm. Like he was looking to leave and Tinker presented this no swoosh, crazy, whatever this elephant print is. And like, that's the story that we're told every time we get a new, you know, theme, new elephant print themed version of a Jordan three, but like, you know, Safari was on, I think the air assault and maybe a couple of other shoes right in that same era, just before elephant print. But what I think is really interesting is that thinking about it now, like obviously, you know, we had this conversation a little bit offline before we started and we didn't necessarily uh, like we didn't we couldn't think of, you know, full on like materials that other brands have used that make sense. Yeah. Robbie's showing off one of the safaris, right? Like that shoe is beautiful. That color combination yeah. is beautiful to me. But like the average consumer definitely doesn't know what safari print is. Mm -hmm. So if if the average consumer doesn't know what safari print is, they don't really care what elephant print is. They just know that it's attached to a shoe. And none of the other brands have ever gone down this path. Like, does it make, is it even worth it for Nike to go down that path to create those materials? You know, they, they don't do that now where they take a, make a material that is, you know, a, a color theme, I guess, where, you know, now it's more like the theme of the shoe and the storytelling aspect is overwhelmingly the driving force between all of the placement of anything on a, on a, you know, decision basis or, you know, design basis. But to me, it's like, it's really interesting to think like there's all this, you know, effort that goes into creating those materials, right? Like that's just not an off the shelf. I'm going to buy a roll of Safari print. I'm going to buy a roll of, you know, elephant print themed leather and use it on a shoe, right? They have to manufacture that separately which is really interesting to think that they go that far out of the usual typical means of getting things. If nobody else in the industry is doing it, like on one hand, I could see that, yeah, it stands out, but we're all sitting here saying like the average consumer probably doesn't even know anything about this stuff, which is just yeah. fascinating to me. I got some points to that. So, I mean, the ISRU stuff, no, the um, ISPA, mm -hmm. ISRU is Tom Sachs, um, the ISPA stuff reusing materials so like you're right nike has to think ahead and get this material but once they have it so this is the air safari model it's safari print but it's literally the right. air safari like not saying they have decades worth of it but it can show up on the air max 90 it can show up very easy so like i think just the dunk that's now like what 800 dollars from like last year oh, yeah. um stuff like that you you have, you've been doing it since what? This came out in 80, 88, 87. 87. So like yeah. you've been doing this since 87. You've been doing the elephant print since 88. So it is a conscious effort and probably a consuming effort at some point. 
but now it's like taking a crap. It's like, you, you know how to do it. Like <laughs> it was hard to learn and get potty trained, but once you got potty trained, it's all gravy, you know, <laughs> literally, literally it's all gravy. <laughs> so, but I think the elephant print well, in particular, cause we've seen so many, we've seen flat versions of elephant print where it looks, it's not, you know, what I'm talking about typical el the good quote unquote elephant print has depth to it. You've seen mm -hmm. flatter ones. You've seen more depth ones. You've seen colored. So it's like, it's obvious when you can make a colored elephant print or even let, let's go a step further, like stingray. Like the, the kind of Drake stuff or even the stuff you see on some Jordan 2s. Like that material is a very unique and thought out material where you have to think, all right, Stingray, we have to, we have to do some R&D to get this to work. But once you have it, you can you can roll with that for the next 30, 40, 100 years. So what? like it's, you don't have to have name recognition, but you have processes to where it's just like we're going to feed somebody Safari and somebody in 2050 is going to see it and think, Oh, that looks cool with my blue jeans. Cause it looked cool with your blue jeans in 87 looks cool in 2020 probably going to look good 20 years from now. Well, see, so my thing with the, uh, with the Safari print, I feel like I think they made that shoe. They committed to having so much of this material and it, you know, maybe it wasn't moving as great. And they are like, Hey guys at, you know, Atmos, because everyone associates Safari print with Atmos. They don't associate it with the Safari sneaker from 87 i feel like they got stuck with all this material floating around they're like hey guys you want to you want to just do this put it on an iconic model and see what happens because you ask someone now and not everybody but you ask just a, someone on the street you know maybe one of the people newer in the sneakers which is no fault to them they're just newer into it maybe just haven't dug deep into that that back history the back catalog but say hey safari print oh yeah atmos even if it's not an atmos collaboration like i can't remember if the lebron 16 was actually a collaboration with Atmos, but they use that same Safari print and anything it does automatically gets an Atmos collaboration. Like the Safari SVs are, they weren't actually an Atmos collaboration, correct? They were just Safari, but everyone just called them the Atmos SVs. I could be wrong on that, but I know that regardless, like anything that has that colorway is always considered when people resell on eBay, Oh, Atmos colorway or whatever it is. They always just put that associated with it. True. Yeah. No, I'm kind of sticking on this jungle theme. When Nick kind of gave us the prompt for this particular episode, my mind naturally kind of gravitated towards a category more so than a brand. And I can just go off of these, right? So soccer cleats used to be made with kangaroo leather. And it was one of those materials that was exclusive to that particular sport in that category. And for me, I didn't even realize that. And one of my very first purchases in that kind of Nike employee mindset was, hey, these cleats are fantastic. They look unlike anything I've ever seen before. So I copped them. They had a high price point and I had no idea. And then when one of my mentors kind of spit game at me and said, look, these are kangaroo leather. They are very expensive to make. So thus we have to charge a higher price point. And then also it's the fact that within the last couple of years, we actually saw a banning of kangaroo leather to be uh, used in product like this so it makes it even more rare and exclusive and if that ban kind of gets lifted because we're already kind of seeing inklings that more and more the pumas the Adis, and the nikes are kind of making these soccer cleats with the kangaroo leather again so then the question is is this now truly banned or is this kind of banned in the michael jordan jordan one sense where it's like we're not going to use this for a while because maybe it drives production costs a little too high so 
Great take. Yeah, that, that's another interesting piece to this, I think, conversation that maybe we do in a future episode. But, you know, the, the alternative materials that are out there now, right? We, you know, I feel like there's opportunity to replace those, you know, like kangaroo leather is a perfect example. Like, you know, soccer cleats have been, you know, that for, uh, you know, 50 years plus, 60 years plus now, right? So like between Adidas and, and Puma for sure. But I think that the conversation around that, you know, you know, it, it does make, you know, knowing the band story with Jordan, it does make me question, you know, is this a real band thing? But I think the, you know, the, the kind of just more, um, you know, the nature of consumers not wanting to just buy leather products just because it's, you know, an animal product, right? Animal byproduct um, definitely impacts the thought process in that conversation. And that makes me think that we could potentially replace, you know, that leather with something else, right? Like we don't, we haven't talked about it much recently, but, you know, a couple of years ago when I was doing outside the box with, with Tiffany Beers and Jacques Slade, we talked about, uh, I forget the company, but I'm pretty sure it was Mercer Amsterdam did a, a collab with a company that makes pineapple leather, which, yeah. you know, those types of things that we just, we have access to a lot of things on the planet that are not conventional to us because we just, you know, we don't, as consumers, we don't think about what other options do I have, but we're getting to the point where people actually do think about that, which I think is great because inevitably that's going to mean you know, a shift and and a way of thinking for the people that are designing, and at least that's what I hope to even think like, what could this be done differently, right? To Robbie's point, or you know, I think you know Mike made this point too, right? Like, if Nike has to invest a certain amount of money, certain amount of you know, purchase level to get to this material, I don't think they're just sitting on materials and you know reusing it. Like that just doesn't seem logical to me. But like, I also think that there is some element of like, Hey, we've got to buy enough of this to make it make sense financially, or we've got to do it in a way that makes it so limited that we're just buying a, a really small amount of pairs. And that just becomes a hype release. Right. Yeah. And that to the, to the, the logistics and the thought process behind it has to be a part of the conversation. But I also think to Robbie's point about elephant print and being able to see like the good elephant print, right? Like if you're a, if you're a sneaker person, you could look at a shoe right away and say, and like, it's like, Oh, this is the good stuff. Right. And that to me seems like something that could easily be done with non-traditional materials. It seems like, Hey, we, we already know what the difference is that like the texture that I need to feel to, to have that wow factor of what elephant print is. And, you know, that to me is like an exciting possible change in the direction for that too. Like, you know, I, I don't think that this is a good example, but the, was it the Japan threes or denim threes, mm -hmm. whatever they were called had like a, you know, a denim elephant print on it. Right. But it wasn't a, a like deep textured It wasn't a deep textured elephant print. Yeah. So from a distance, it just doesn't have that pop of your tr standard, you know, gray cement, gray, whatever elephant print. But I don't know. Toss it to you guys with that thought process. <laughs> well, with with the alternative leathers, I think of fly leather, which is the Nike Converse joint. But then, so there's a Chuck 70 leather. I mean, Converse 
reps a whole leather section on their website. And it just says crafted with premium leather for an elevated feel. So I'm curious what what leather you're, they're using there. Because, I mean, sustainable sustainability-wise and, like, eco-friendliness, like, leather has really kind of become a faux pas much in a way animal furs have, I think. Like, definitely not to the same degree, but, like, people consciously try to stay away from leather now, I think, more than ever. So I, I'm curious, like, what material, like, w how they're sourcing that leather, where it's coming from. That's just my brain, like, like snowballing with the leather conversation. But, like, we're, we're brands that are, that are marketing premium leather, like, we all... Let's use Jordan as as our as our picking tool. Like, there's good tumble leather. There's premium leather. There's the plasticky leather. Like, where are these being sourced? Where do you choose which one to use? Like, materials is a whole logistics financial game that we don't think of on an everyday basis. Yeah, and I was trying. I was grab my my 2011 threes. I just wanted to see the the leather. I guess it is real leather they use for the elephant elephant print on these. I thought it may be in synthetic, but just looking at like you can, I don't know if you guys can even see it on the camera like this, the cut of leather on it, you can see like the frame on top. So I guess they did use like a pretty substantial amount because they produced a lot of these. So, but just like Robbie mentioned, like the, the fly leather, um, I feel like some things are kind of moving towards that, that, that fake new buck ish. Cause I've seen some of this elephant print that almost feels like a new buck. So I wonder if they can kind of move towards that as well. Just kind of that, again, that synthetic new buck and, you know, save money and then also again improve their carbon footprint at that point. So <clears throat> it's all synthetic, right? I mean, uh, so this is just saying premium leather. It's not saying authentic or real leather. Like Jordans again. Like I guess when you say premium, I think everyone kind of associated with actual it's... real leather. But well, that, that they sell it. They sell that's real. actually. Real. Like if it's real, yeah, they like market genuine it. leather, yeah, right? Genuine, genuine, exactly, yeah. That's the word. Yeah, genuine. Yeah. They, 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 if it is genuine, they want to say, "Hey, this is genuine." Like, yeah, genuine leather here, sold here, come by here. They would tell you. <laughs> well, and that's what makes me wonder about this whole topic, right? I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to go this direction, but it's, it's, it's cool because this is kind of something I've been wondering about. Like, you know, we've seen a lot of disconnect between like the pro the pro the manufactured product and the message that's eventually delivered to consumers right whether that's you know the kobe protros and the missing cushioning or you know the colorways on the flight 89s that we talked about with the wear testers guys like stuff like that is always lost in translation especially when you're you know selling massive amounts of shoes and you know various people work on this throughout the you know beginning side of the process mm -hmm. creating the product you know, through the, you know, getting it to stores and, you know, partners and whatnot. But I wonder if, do you think that like, let's say, I, I'm, I'm just going to go back to that, like Pinatex example, right? Like it's a fascinating concept for me because Mercer Amsterdam is a, is a boutique that's not, you know, they're making their own silhouettes, but they are very much like a smaller boutique compared to you know, other like boutiques, like an undefeated or Kith, mm -hmm. right. But using that, um, or thinking about the conversation we've had about like the kind of, I guess like the disconnect between like 
even if it's real leather or not, do you think that a brand or even a smaller boutique that, that, you know, pushes and does their own silhouettes or even like maybe we are underdogs, right. That are doing the, the partnerships with like Seth Fowler and Nightwing and them. Do you think that a company like that could like, let's say pick a pineapple leather or some other, you know, vegan leather and flip that into a pattern or print or, you know, a material like Safari or elephant print and have it become kind of a staple within their catalog or approach to, you know, their releases. I, I think so. It just depends on how much it costs to get that. I feel like it might cost a ton of money to get pineapple leather right now because it's just, it's not a probably a huge process is being used, but if it's like money aside, I think it's possible that you can use those kind of items because it's proven that you can make a whole shoe from it. So if we're just making pieces for patterns. Why the heck not? Like I say, money cost aside. Huh. Scale means profitability. So mm-hmm. if you can get it to a scale in which it's profitable, pineapple leather then becomes the next new option. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that happen though, because I don't, not like Kickstarter, but there's so many great ideas in the world that just doesn't have the means to produce enough to supply whoever would actually want your product. Yeah. So you don't have to go. I mean, not everybody can go to Shark Tank and ask Mark Cuban for financial help to get their <laughs> their product blowing up. But like, if if more, and, and that brand, so that sneaker brand, I'd never even heard of. So like, it's it's difficult because brand recognition from a Converse, Nike, Puma, Reebok, like that's really going to help get the volume up. Like a smaller brand, like I can't remember the name of it now, honestly. Um, like they, they're not going to have the name recognition to like bring other people out enough people from outside of their bubble to get it popping. But like if, if Reebok, if any brand were to do this big box brand, were to start using pineapple leather, like there would have been R and D a year in advance for that. They would have had the processes to ramp up scale and have it be profitable to where you sell a product. Cause ultimately it is a product. So if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, I think both Mike and Robbie put it beautifully. It's a, it's not necessarily going to be a question of producing it. I'm coming at it from the angle of you may have this small exclusive product that's got the pineapple leather. And I'm convinced that if the right hype is behind it, then anything is possible. So if Travis Scott decides he's about pineapples from now until eternity, and that becomes his thing. And Travis Scott continues to maintain this trajectory of being a genre defining or an era defining artist, then that's possible. But to Robbie's point, a lot of these shoe big box people know 18 months in advance, what they're capable of, how they're able to leverage that and create the justifiable justifiable hype around it. But sometimes it takes these freak accidents or these weird coincidences that elevate something to that next level. I think like the Allbirds, again, I'm not yep. Allbirds, Tom's, not my cup of tea, but they're the, the level or sector of footwear to where I think that those kind of alternative materials could could be introduced on a larger scale i mean i'm sure that goes against tom's ethos of sustainability and everything but like all birds they're just trying to go for i believe i don't know i believe they're just trying to go for general sustainability so if like 
pineapple leather is going to be sustainable and last just as long, you know, you know, F the, not F, but like forget the, the Tomish aspects of it, but they would roll with that. But like, that's where I think something like pineapple leather could actually flourish is like those medium, small brands that have YouTube commercials all the time. Yeah. Well, even like the, <laughs> uh, like, like on, because aren't they starting that, uh, recyclable shoe program this year where you get a shoe when it gets beat up, you send it back and you get a new one. If this pineapple mm-hmm. leather is something that maybe doesn't last as long, I could see a brand like that kind of utilizing it since they're already taking that step to put that program together. So I think that would also be a good brand to do because on is becoming more popular. I mean, you see it all these boutique shops now, um, like Robbie said, you, it's one of those things you see commercials for like on YouTube and things like that. So I think if, you know, just me kind of t- throwing a dart at the wall. I-, I feel like that that would be a good brand for to start at if they, you know, if it was something that made sense for them as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely. Because the, the short term kind of, uh, you know, whatever the lifespan of the, of the material is, is kind of an interesting part of that conversation. Right. And obviously thinking of like, you know, safari or elephant or, you know, even, you know, like the stingray what did you say the the stingray yeah like they've they've done all these different variations right like we've seen even on the the pony hair and the zebra and all these other like materials the that dog. they've kind of yeah. crafted right like all that stuff is you know typically done through the same old traditional materials and just kind of reworked in a, and presented in that theme right not necessarily mm-hmm. like you know to row its point about the the soccer boots right like those are literally using a different animal's byproduct as the material. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is kind of a fascinating question, and I would you know toss it to our audience and say like, what do you think about that? Like, is there is there, I guess, inherent value or like an actual measurable value in the you know use of interesting materials, or is it just up to the brands to continue to push that story, you know, to to make it something right? I feel like there's an interesting in between there that we haven't seen discovered yet. And that's kind of why I brought up the, the pineapple, the Pinatex and the the Mercer stuff. But like, obviously it's a smaller brand might not get the exposure even here in the States because they're based in Amsterdam, but like, it's a really interesting kind of like, it would be an interesting test to see, like if you gave that, gave one of these brands that same, Hey, we're going to use this material and see if we can turn it into a thing going forward. Right. Where it just becomes a part of, the sales pitch, the marketing, and just the whole mental process of, of designing, because we're, we're in this interesting space of, you know, to, to, you know, like the original point of like this conversation, I think that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like just copy and paste that happens with the big box brands. Right. And that's kind of where I'm thinking like, yeah, maybe somebody could come in here now and, and send us in a different direction because inevitably it's the small guy that's going to do that and be like, yo, you know, it's really cool. Like stucco leather, whatever. (laughs) Right. And then next thing you know, Nike's like, Whoa, stucco print is a thing. We're going (laughs) to do a collab with this brand. And now you've got like some collab that becomes a thing. And you've, you know, I mean, like you said, people think of the Safari print as Atmos now because it's been pushed so recent, so much recently in the last, you know, five years where anybody that's, older that's been into the sneakers for a long time. It's like Robbie is like, this is not an Atmos shoe. This is like the, the, the Safari, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not even a print. It's a shoe. 
but um yeah man i this was super dope a good conversation guys um i i'm just like curious what everybody thinks so if you if you want to leave us a comment or whatever we'll obviously throw this on our instagram twitter anywhere you want to connect with us if you remember a discord um it'll be in the podcast episodes category or you know channel there in discord but want to just say thanks everybody for supporting rocking with us and um guys let me know how they can find you follow yeah you can find me instagram and twitter at madwatcher789 uh youtube at mike guillory uh roy where can they find you man they can follow uh follow me on twitter at rohizi and on instagram at row at m13 robbie how about you how can the people get a hold of you r-a-h-b-e-e-702 Right on. Uh, and I'm at Nick Ingvall on all the platforms. Otherwise, catch us all on at Sneaker History, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. See you. Bye. Hey, y'all. Nick Ingvall here. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. It really means a lot that you would spend a portion of your week hanging with us. And if there are any ways that we can improve the podcast for you, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're looking for more content from the Sneaker History crew, head over to patreon.com slash sneakerhistory and join us for as little as five bucks a month. That also gets you access to our Discord group, which is a lot of fun. Also, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. We just started uploading our videos there now, so you can watch the video version of the pod and a lot more. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. It's a small gesture that can go a really long way to making somebody's day a little bit better. Thanks again, and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.